Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and one of the areas that I've always been intrigued with in preparing for long-term disasters or a collapse is what to do when you need medical attention, but there's no doctors or pharmacies around to help you. Now, I know people have come to know about things like fish mocks, and maybe you're able to hoard a few prescriptions here and there, but what would you do if even they weren't available? Well, the answer is to go and hit up Mother Nature for your own little pharmaceutical hookup. And since I'm not an expert in herbal medicine, I decided to reach out to my favorite dynamic duo of the survival world to get their advice. And they really over-delivered on this one. So you're going to want to go and grab a pad of paper and a pen for notes. Go ahead and check this out now. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive. If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. One of the hard realities you must come to terms with in your preparedness plans is the fact that your town's infrastructure is largely based on normal everyday life. All of your law enforcement, fire department, even your medical support personnel are specifically staffed for only what's needed with very little wiggle room due to obvious budget constraints. But when a disaster hits your area, you can bet that these resources are going to be stretched beyond their normal comfort zones. Now, should the crisis last longer, such as like an extended grid down blackout, pandemic disease outbreak, or economic collapse that triggers martial law, you can be sure that the services that we've come to rely on will be sucked dry in no time. Now, while you're probably pretty confident that you can hold your own with your shotgun and a looters will be shot sign out on the front lawn, one area that few people are really prepared for is knowing how to be your own doctor when medical help is strained or even non-existent in certain conditions. And when medicines aren't available, it will certainly help to go back to the good old days of Mother Nature's alternative pharmacy by knowing the best herbal remedies for the most common medical scenarios that you may face during an extended disaster. And that's what we're here to discover today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat Survival Magazine with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me now to help us explore the most common medical scenarios that you might face in a disaster collapse as well as the specific herbs that you should have on hand, or maybe even grow yourself, are my friends Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, we're fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff, for inviting us. Awesome. Nice to be here, Jeff. Thanks for asking us on. No, I always take advantage. Whenever I can get you guys in between trips, <laughs> I love to be able to you know, <laughs> yeah, tap back into it. So. So cool. Hey, listen, everybody, if you haven't listened to like the other podcasts or seen the articles that we've done with, with uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, they're well-known in the survival industry as medical experts with a very accomplished background. Now, Dr. Bones has practiced for over 25 years as, as a board-certified physician, and Nurse Amy, besides being a certified nurse and midwife, is also an expert on growing herbal remedies and the use of essential oils and other alternative solutions for survival medicine. Now, they both contribute regularly to survival shows and magazines, as well as their own podcast. And their book, The Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Handbook, is an amazing guide for the non-medical professional 
to staying healthy in situations where help is not on the way. Now, you can visit Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy online at www.doomandbloom.net. Now, guys, the, the first thing I think people will notice really like viscerally during any type of disaster is the shock over the fact that they're even in a crisis. I mean, I, I've seen this in everything from, you know, my own experience in combat to even a recent disaster I personally went through in my hometown with a massive flood. I mean, the worst like in Texas history and the look on people's faces like after that flood and, 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 and during the event and even long after the event. You could see the pain and the shock and, and just the trouble comprehending what just happened. And for me, anxiety is one of those things that can really damage your ability to make sound decisions. And if you're in a survival scenario, you really need to have your head on as straight as possible. So what, like, what herb or, or something that could help people deal with kind of that stress and anxiety of a crisis? Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned this topic, Jeff, because, you know, that we're going to be dealing with, and certainly any, almost any survival scenario, uh, a, a lot more anxiety and, and other issues that are mental rather than, uh, necessarily gunfights at the OK Corral or, or massive traumatic injuries. I mean, you're going to be dealing with pretty much everyone in the population being at a high level of stress. And so I think it's really important to, to figure out what you can use uh, for anxiety if the pharmaceuticals aren't there for you. Absolutely. Um, but you know what? There are actually some some other things that we don't need modern medicine for that may help us with anxiety. And um, so I wanted to quickly talk about a couple of, of methods maybe that people can try to, you know, calm themselves down without taking herbs or taking any kind of medicine, uh, one of them is, you know, taking a step back and really trying to look at the um, effects and the reality of what's going on and try to think of something that may be at the end of the tunnel. You know, a lot of times something happens and we're just in this moment and we don't think down the road and what is this really changing our lives that much? And obviously, if we're in a survival situation, the answer is going to be yes. So we'll probably have to move on to herbal remedies. Uh, if you do have any kind of anti-anxiety medications, um, at some point, that may uh, be something you've got to go to. But some really great things that, that I have found and that our listeners have found and through my research that really I feel do work are chamomile, for one. And what you're using is the chamomile flowers. And this is found uh, out in the wild a lot. A lot of people are growing it. And I really do think it's some one of the first things that you should add to your medicinal garden. And not only does it help calm nerves, but it also can dispel gas. If we're eating foods that we're not used to, maybe MREs or freeze-dried foods or just more roughage, if we are eating more uh, foraging, more wild foods, that our bodies are just not used to digesting. We may have issues with this. And so chamomile also helps aid digestion. So it is the flowers you use. Um, if you're using them because you've dried them, which is great for storage, they're really easy to dry, you're going to snip them and hang them upside down until they're dried, and then you can remove the stems and just keep the flowers in either a vacuum-packed uh, bag or, or some sort of Ziploc bag and try to get as much air out of it as possible. 
if you're using fresh, you want to use four teaspoons. Again, the dried is two to three teaspoons. For about a cup to a cup and a half of water, what you're going to do is put those flowers in the bottom of a teacup, pour the hot water over it, and wait five minutes, and then you can strain them out. You want to drink this about three times daily. And it really has been shown to help. Lavender is another great uh, anti-anxiety. You're, again, using the flowers of lavender, and they can be dried or fresh. You're going to use the same proportion for your cup of tea. Uh, And also lemon balm leaves, uh, which I found was uh, very interesting. We've grown lemon balm uh, for at least five years here, and lemon balm uh, not only uh, helps you, but it smells wonderful. (laughs) You know, I have a couple of other uh, things that we could mention. Now, we also grow in our garden, our medicinal garden That's right true. down here, and that is passion flower. We have passion flower. Uh, and Which all, butterflies love. Right? And <laughs> it's, it's a great butterfly garden plant, but it's also uh, a plant that a few clinical trials have actually showed might help with anxiety and also valerian. Valerian. Valerian in a tea it has a mild sedative effect. It certainly calms down people with who are anxious or under who are under stress. And what you're using with the valerian is the root. Is the root. Is valerian the root part, root. yes. Right, exactly. And valerian, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to grow down here. A lot of these herbs, um, if people are growing them outside, get get them going now. See what is going to grow in your area. So these things that we're talking about, try them out. Try them in a shaded area. Try them in, you know, a full sun. Try them on one side of the house, another side of the house. Uh, in pots, in the ground, and just check them out. This is the time now to see if they're going to grow where you are. And we'll talk about uh, a little bit later about growing them indoors. Right. You know, there's a learning curve with regards to gardening, and this is the time for you to get through that learning curve. Yeah. Yeah, and all that, you know, all those stuff makes, um, because I know one of the other stressors that people have is the inability to sleep, and especially if it's a survival scenario. So, you know, like you said, it has, if it has a sedative effect as well, just being able to get enough sleep is going to help you deal with stress as well. I mean, I know just from, you know, especially like in the military where you're pulling like all-nighters, we had one experiment we did where we were, we ran missions for five days straight with no sleep whatsoever. And I, I got a very up close and personal look at what it's like to not have sleep and the amount of stress that it causes on the body. So it sounds like all those things will work out really well and hit you from a, a couple of different angles. Now, I have yeah. to. Oh, I just want to mention. Yeah, oh, go ahead. I just want to mention one quick thing. I, please, folks, don't use beer, wine, or any other alcoholic drinks hmm. for anxiety. Although it may temporarily subdue it, when that alcohol wears off, you can actually get a really bad rebound, and you can actually have more anxiety when that alcohol is gone. So don't turn to the alcohol for anxiety. That's just a bad move. The same thing goes for sleep with alcohol because uh, it may help you not off, but it it really decreases the deep sleep that you would get over the course of the night. Yeah, I can vouch for that (laughs) personally, yeah. (laughs) You know, I... um, you know, I have I have to imagine that of like all the over the counter medicines that people are used to having in their medicine cabinet, that that things like NSAIDs and other pain relievers, it's got to be number one, and probably the most immediate need that someone may have in in some sort of disaster. I mean, besides like any sort of physical injury or trauma or something like that, is simply having to deal with pain. 
you know, either from injury itself or either, you know, from symptoms of an illness or a disease that they might have. So, so what can, what, you know, plant or herbs can, can somebody use that would act as a pain reliever that they can add to their herbal medicine chest? Well, uh, one of the things that is probably easily found in a lot of areas is uh, willow bark. And what you're doing is you're using um, the internal bark, not the outside. And it really is what aspirin was based on until it was chemically made. And so, you know, you're really naturally taking aspirin. Now, the problem is some people are sensitive to aspirin. They may have stomach discomfort uh, and they interact with other medications that people are taking, but it is an herbal aspirin. Now, the thing that's important to know about willow bark is that you're not taking the outer bark. You're taking, you're scraping off the outer bark and you're getting down. Yeah, not to that the, brown wood stuff. <laughs> to the green, under, the green underbark. And what you do is you, you shave off strips of that and you can put it in a tea or you can just chew it and it will give you pain relief. The amount of pain relief you get is going to be is going to differ based upon the tree itself. So the subspecies of willow, for example, also some aspens and poplars also have the same uh, substance, which is called salicin, by the way. And uh, this is something that you know it's hard. It may be hard to figure out exactly the amount you're getting, as it is honestly with a lot of other natural medicines, and but. It is uh, well-known to be a pain reliever and, indeed, is the basis upon which aspirin, the first actually commercially produced drug, right. was based on. Exactly. Well, they, what happened was they found it was too expensive to extract the salicin from the willow bark. So, naturally, they found a way to make it cheaper. Yeah. Big pharma for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that like... No, I was just gonna say, is that are are you talking about like a like a weeping willow, like that kind of a willow? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Wow. There's also a white willow. There's a white willow. Uh, Which it has white hairs on the edges right. of the leaves, and that's how you tell the white willow. Interesting. Aspens, poplars also have uh, that property. Not not quite as strong as uh, the willow tree. Wow. But also uh, ginger. Ginger is another herb that. Uh, inhibits prostaglandin, which is responsible for uh, pain and inflammation. It, it's also, we're going to talk about this in a, a little bit about um, immunity, but it also really helps for immunity. Uh, it has been known to relieve uh, gastric cramps, uh, pain. It's just absolutely an amazing thing, and it's not hard to grow. So, you know, just... It's interesting about ginger because I don't know I don't know why, but when I go to the grocery store and I see it there, for some reason I always think like it came from China or something. Like it's impossible to grow. Like it 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 can't be harvested here. I don't know I don't know why I think that, but so you're saying that ginger is actually pretty easy to grow. Absolutely. Um I I can't tell you how many times I've bought ginger from the grocery store and planted it, and I have ginger. Oh. I mean, it likes a sheltered spot. It likes filtered sunlight, so you don't have to put it in full sun. Um, it does prefer warm weather and humidity, which, of course, you know, Florida and, and Texas is good for. It comes from India. Um, much of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tropical plant. But you can grow it inside 
if you missed it. And that's going to be the important part about uh, ginger is trying to keep the humidity mm-hmm. up for it. It doesn't like dry climate. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult to grow indoors. But um, basically, sometimes there's growth inhibitors in the J-spine in store. So what you're going to want to do is soak that. It's not that you're soaking it to get it to start growing because that's kind of a myth. You don't need to do that. Um, it prefers to just be put in the soil. And you just need some rich soil. You need something that drains. You don't want your ginger soaking in mud. So if you have soil that doesn't drain real well, um, it's probably better to put it in either a raised bed or a pot so that the the water drains out. Make sure, of course, there are holes in the bottom of the pot. Don't yeah. put stones down there. That's one of one of my, the myths again. You don't make a layer of stones at the bottom of your. Absolutely no reason for that. It actually inhibits the uh, drainage the of drain. water, so you don't want to do that. So okay. it's, it's really not too hard to grow it. It does take a year. Um, you're not going to get oh. ginger uh, rhizomes or roots in three months or six months. It's really something that you're going to leave. For a year. So, like I said, folks, if you're thinking about needing a medicinal garden, uh, (laughs) plant that ginger. It's a really beautiful plant. Uh, It can have flowers in the second year. You won't get them the first year. The the flowers aren't really used for anything. Again, the part that you're eating is the the rise of that bulbous area. And what you'll do is after you harvest it in a year is you look for buds, which are going to be like little almost like nodules on the rhizome. And those are the part you can cut a big section of that off and just put those back in the ground or back in pots and eat the rest of your ginger and you can have more plants. So it really um, helps you just continue to propagate the plant by replanting some of it. It's the same thing as garlic. You know, you... You eat some of the cloves and replant the other cloves that you don't eat. Yeah, that's right. You know that if you if you don't have the patience or you don't have the time, but you still need relief from pain, you could consider feverfew. Now, feverfew is uh, another herb that's used for for pain relief and and can help stop inflammation. It actually helps with migraine headaches. So it's a really great headache medication, and it is something that you'll find. Uh, the benefit comes from the leaves. So if you can just get a few leaves and put them in boiling water, you can make a tea out of it, and it actually would be uh, very beneficial in terms of relieving inflammation and pain. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we've been talking with Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy of net about herbal remedies for the most common survival medicine scenarios. And we have a lot more to cover, including how to fight off life-threatening infections, plants that can literally help you fend off pandemic disease when everyone else around you is looking a little bit pale, and even how to avoid disaster pants. Now, if you want to know what that is, you'll have to stick around. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos 
or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy of doomandbloom.net discussing herbal remedies for common survival medicine needs that you may have during a disaster or collapse. And we have a lot more to cover, so let's go ahead and jump right back in now. Now, they of course say that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Everybody's heard that. And I know that can apply to a broad spectrum of applications, but I think it's really most appropriate when you're talking about things that have to do with your health, especially during times when there's the threat of like pandemic disease outbreaks or, or even if it's just like a really bad flu season, being able to avoid getting sick is going to be way better than hoping that your body will just be able to fight it off when you actually do get sick. So what herbs or or other plants work best for helping us to build up our immune system to kind of create this sort of, you know, force field as much as possible around our body. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's a philosophy in the medical profession. Uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So this is a much better place to start than just, okay, now you've already got the infection. Let's, 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 talk about what to do. So um, I'm so glad you brought this up before actual infection treatment. Um, in echinacea, everybody, I believe, that has even dabbled in herbal medicine has heard about echinacea. Yeah. And it really is uh, probably the most popular herb that's known to boost immunity. And that's what we're trying to do here is really boost the immunity. Uh, you can combine it with um, golden seal, which is also another immune-boosting herb. Garlic. Let's go back to our garlic. Um, absolutely amazing. We're going to be talking about garlic a little bit more detail when we talk about um, treating infections. But if you add some garlic, and what you'd like to do is add uh, a half a clove into just crush it, Make it, you know, in tiny little pieces. People have those garlic presses. That was a half a clove. We're not trying to poison you people with, you know, so much garlic that no one wants to ever talk to you again. <laughs> well, that would help um, during a pandemic. A, it, it keeps all the zombies away, you know. If you, yeah. That's true. That's true. I'm going to have the worst garlic press if that ever happens, I'll tell you what. Uh, but put that in a tablespoon of raw, unprocessed honey. You have got hmm. two amazing immune boosters together. Uh, ginseng is also known to help increase immunity. 
Uh, believe it or not, bell peppers and hot peppers are both wonderful. Going back to our ginger again, uh, turmeric is a, a fantastic immune, immune booster. And I think you have a couple others, honey. Well, I mean, what I would like to, to talk about, honestly, with regards to immune boosting is actually doesn't have anything to do with herbs, doesn't have anything to do with medicine or at all. It has to do with... Change of life. Simple things, your yeah, lifestyle. lifestyle. That's right. You know, not getting enough sleep, that is going to drop your immune system. Absolutely. Not being well hydrated, that's going to do it as well. Matter of fact, even 2% loss of your total body water content, 4% loss will lead to major issues that will affect in, in terms of your mood, and in terms of your ability to function, your work efficiency goes down. So make sure, and, and the sad thing is that most of us walk around slightly dehydrated all the time. We oh, yeah. Con- concentrate on making sure we get into the fluids of it. So, so that I think is a real big thing. Of course, uh, the amount of stress you're under, that's going to affect your, your immune system. It's going to affect the, your ability to fight infection. And, of course, you know, if you don't eat a good diet, you're going to have deficiencies perhaps in certain vitamins, and this is going to be uh, another thing that's going to make you very prone to uh, getting sick. And so so these are some lifestyle issues and some dietary issues that are very important to consider when it comes to thinking about boosting your immune system. And avocados. And avocados. Avocados. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Wow. Well, there's a whole laundry list of things there. Awesome. You know, um, I think that one of the most deadliest threats that people face, especially when you're injured, is the danger of infection that we were we were kind of talking about. Now, I know that keeping wounds clean and, and trying to maintain a, a germ-free environment are really important. But the fact is a lot of people even end up getting infections from being in hospitals, which you would assume would be the place that would be the most sterile out of every place that you could possibly go. So if someone is battling an infection, like from a wound or something like that, are there any herbs that could help with keeping it in check? Uh, Yes. First, you want to try localized treatment. So, again, prevention is the key. When you have a wound, you have got to clean it out as much as possible. That means you may have to scrub it with soap and water, uh, you definitely want to flush it with water that's drinkable, not just from the water you just got out of the creek. Make sure that if it's safe for your family or group to drink without causing problems, that it is okay to flush your wound with it. So you want to do really good wound cleaning. After you clean the wound, my absolute favorite thing to put in cuts or scrapes or any kind of wound whatsoever or even burns is raw, unprocessed. Yep. So make sure everybody has a friend who's a beekeeper, or if you don't have that near you and you don't have an, an easily accessible source, buy a raw and processed honey now. I have actually a five-gallon bucket, and you know what? It has zero expiration date. Really? Ten billion trillion years from now, which <laughs> I think the sun is going to burn out and the planet's going to end up dying anyway no matter what, but it will be here. Honey has no expiration date, so go ahead and get it. It is fantastic for putting on the wound to help prevent infection. The reason it does that is that it has an acidic pH, 
And bacteria do not like acidic pH. It also has something called osmotic effect. And what that does is honey actually draws out the fluid from the bacteria, which, of course, kills it. Not only that, but the honey increases your healing rate, and the faster you heal, the faster your skin becomes intact again, that is your protection against infection. Mm. If you have no cuts or scrapes, you're not going to just randomly get an infection on your skin for the most part. Yeah. So you want your skin to heal as fast as possible. The, the viscous nature of honey is a perfect healing environment for uh, newborn baby, skin cells, muscle cells, blood cells, everything that's growing around there is much better within an environment of honey. So you definitely want to get the honey. Inside that, it's also great to take the honey internally. And when we were talking a few minutes ago about immune boosting, you again want to do the half clove of garlic. Now, if you have an active infection, you want to be taking the half clove of garlic in the raw honey three to four times daily. It's as if you were dosing yourself with an antibiotic. So those, that is definitely something you want to combine. Ginger also is known to be antibacterial and antiviral. And by the way, the garlic is antiviral too. We're not just talking about um, bacterial infections. So right. those are three things that you can definitely use. I have a couple of those. Some of these are which you can find growing wild. If you're in the Northwest, you're in Luxembourg, Golden Seal, which is pretty ubiquitous there, is a potent antibiotic and is helpful for sore throats, digestive infections. Oh, sure, absolutely. Things like that. Uh, Oregon grape, also from that area, has a substance called uh, berberine, and uh, that can stop bacteria from adhering to the walls of the intestine and urinary tract. So it's great for urinary tract infections, certain types of diarrhea. And so these are these are some additional things. You may have, uh, I think we mentioned echinacea before for other things, but it also, echinacea has great antibacterial, antifungal properties, uh, and even turmeric has has some. So th- this is good. Uh, one last thing. Uh, oh, you know. Was, oh, grapefruit seed extract. Yeah. I want to talk about. This actually uh, can, dis- it has an antibiotic property that can destroy bad bacteria without destroying the good bacteria in the body. So you don't get an imbalance. And, and right, the pharmaceutical agents, you know, those bacteria, those antibiotics rarely know the difference and they'll destroy bad, good bacteria along with the bad bacteria. So, so that's the good thing about grapefruit seed extract. So here, those, those are a few. Now, I do want to say something, though, that if you have a truly serious infection, if it's of course, in normal times, seek modern and standard uh, care by qualified professionals, whenever, wherever possible. I've said that a million times. <laughs> but if you have a serious infection, you have to know that uh, if you have pharmaceuticals, some of them are going to be stronger than some of the things we've mentioned. Uh, I just want to give one more uh, method of actually uh, taking garlic in without having to just uh, take the spoonful of honey with the garlic in it. Is you can actually make a garlic tea. Now, you're going to take four cups of uh, filtered water, boiled. Now, let this cool slightly. What you don't want to do is cook your garlic. You really want it in as raw of a state as possible. So let it go down to warm, okay? You're not trying to boil your garlic here. You're just trying to get some of the properties out of the garlic through tea. You can have four to five cloves of finely chopped or, like I said, use the garlic 
press, uh, put that in there. Again, add some fresh lemon juice. Uh, definitely, you're going to want to put that raw and processed honey in there. And drink three to four cups of this all day. It can either be warm or cold. It doesn't have to be reheated. If you let it cool off to ambient temperature, that's fine. Just don't reboil it because, again, you're going to destroy the properties of the garlic. So it's just a, a little bit different way of taking it um, without having to just swallow it. <laughs> So what would be the ultimate, because we talk about like this stuff a lot, but um, as far as like the teas and different stuff. So so let's let's right now, let's make pandemic tea. So what would be like the ultimate pandemic, you know, prevention tea? So I'm thinking so far we've got like honey, we've got, we've got garlic. I mean, like if you were to make a tea, like, okay, like people are like, you know, I don't want to go into zombie mode. I really don't. I really don't want to go that far. But, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, there's obviously signs that, like, modern medicine is not working. People, you know, antibiotics are are no longer effective anymore. So we have to keep our immune system as strong as possible to fight everything off. What would be? What would you say would be like the the perfect immune boosting prevent pandemic prevention tea? Gosh, uh, well, I mean, assuming that you're not treating a specific disease, of course, different diseases right. are treated by different things. I would, I would say echinacea. Remember, we mentioned it's an immune. But he wants, wants a blend. So I'll, I'll give would, you a blend. Okay. Okay. My own blend. I would say <laughs> echinacea and and garlic uh, and maybe a little ginger and you, you know what you're going to have to put something in there for taste. So honey, which also has great other... Yeah. Is that what you're... Yes, that's exactly oh. what I was going to say. But there's one more thing I would add. Uh-huh. And that would be uh, for vitamin C, which is an immune booster, I would either put some uh, lemon juice or lime juice. Yes, good idea. Absolutely. Perfect. And I, I, think, I think you can't go wrong if you... Yeah, again, echinacea, garlic, ginger, uh, raw honey... And uh, some citrus, even if it's an orange, but lemon or lime would would be more tasty. Okay, I'm oh, taking God. the I'm taking the challenge right now that I'm going to make this tea. <laughs> I'll video it at some point here. I will make this tea, and if I'm either going to die right on the spot <laughs> or. <laughs> I don't know, but we'll give it a try. Garlic, I know. There's just something about garlic. You know what I? Oh, you know what I would add there if you want a little bit better flavor. Um, you might want to add some lavender flowers or chamomile flowers. For goodness sake, add twice the amount of honey. (laughs) If you add twice twice the amount of honey, anything will taste good. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We'll just call it pandemic sludge. It'll just be a honey sludge. There you go. Yeah. All right, guys. Disaster pants. We've talked about this before, how so many people can die from dehydration during a crisis, and not just because they can't find water and and they run out of water, but from drinking bad water or eating contaminated food that leads to diarrhea. And as funny as that may sound to people, it really is a life-threatening condition. So. And it's very common. I mean, because we're talking about a contaminated environment. I mean, you look at we we talk about things like in during Hurricane Katrina. You know, the deaths weren't necessarily just, you know, they weren't from the disaster itself, but so many of the deaths were from just environmental contamination and the disease that people got from that itself. So what what herbs or what can be used to help alleviate diarrhea to avoid dehydration when, 
you know, your local Walgreens is all boarded up and there's no Imodium ED or anything like that. Well, I just wanted to say before we, we talk about that, I just wanted to say you are so right with regards to the risk of diarrhea. Dehydration uh, that's caused by diarrhea can be very severe. And uh, during the Civil War, which is, I guess, a medical environment that we can be thrown into again in a true survival scenario, uh, we lost more soldiers from diarrheal disease and dehydration caused by it than we did from shrapnel or bullets. So you're, you are absolutely right. Oh, totally. Um, so you start getting diarrhea. Um, most people today are going to go ahead and grab their Imodium and be done with it. But that's not necessarily what you should be doing. Um, you need to make sure that you maintain good rehydration. Now, you may have rehydration salts. You may be able to make a formula, and I'll let Dr. Bones tell you about the rehydration formula in just a second. Um, you can start with tea. The tannins in tea uh, reduce the inflammation that's going on in your intestines and relax the intestines. So you're not going to have as much diarrhea, plus you're going to help replace fluid. Now, I wouldn't mix that tea Black tea is fine with either sugar or, of course, my favorite would be the raw and processed honey. Mm -hmm. uh, the tannin-rich uh, blackberry leaves are wonderful. And there's also raspberry leaves can work. You can use uh, dried uh, golden seal. We talked about golden seal before. Uh, you can take capsules of that. You can also make a tea. Uh, chamomile. It's fantastic. Not only is chamomile going to help relax the intestinal cramps and slow that diarrhea down, but it's also been found to inhibit the growth of bacteria that commonly result in severe diarrhea. Hmm. So you're not only slowing down the cramping and um, movement that's going on there, but you might also be treating the cause of it. So chamomile is actually one of the really awesome things. Uh, you're going to need to make sure that you get a lot of fluids. We talked about the rehydration fluids. Gatorade is made for that specifically. Um, honey, why don't you mention the, the homemade formula right. for if rehydration? You, if you had to make it on your own, basically you could take a liter of water and you could put six, eight, six to eight teaspoons of, water, of sugar in that water. You could put, um, I'd say, one teaspoon of salt. Uh, half a teaspoon of, of salt, salt substitute, which you can find in the supermarket. Where you get your potassium from. We're right. trying to replace the electrolytes right. here. It's potassium chloride. Mm -hmm. You'll find it in the supermarket where, where salt is. It gives people the taste of salt that can't eat salt because, let's say, they have high blood pressure or things like that. And maybe a quarter uh, teaspoon of baking soda for the bicarbonate in it. And uh, I think that would make a really good oral rehydration solution. Again, you need to give it something for taste so that it's a little more palatable. But uh, if, if you do that, use some crystal light or, or even a little honey, something like that, that would probably be a very reasonable oral rehydration solution. Awesome. I, I think we could have just summed up this whole thing with just eat more honey. I think that's all it really <laughs> takes. You know, I, I know a lot of people, whenever I, I talk about honey, they're like, yeah. I haven't gotten sick in years, and I have raw honey every single day. And a lot of people 
just take a, a tablespoon of the honey and just swallow it. And they yep. said they're not getting sick. Some people put it in their tea, but a lot of people are just taking spoonfuls of honey every single day. And, and they claim it helps to keep them from getting sick. And I am not going to disagree with that. Well, guys, awesome. This has been um, – I mean, you guys, I, I was only looking for like one <laughs> – one remedy for everything, but you guys, there's like a whole encyclopedia here, and everybody, that's that's exactly what you'll find in their guide. So listen, everybody, I mean, you definitely need to go check out their web, uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's website, because, um, you know, I think their doom and bloom guide is is really considered by everybody. I mean, if you look in forums, you look anywhere, it's really seen as like the survival medicine encyclopedia, and there's just a ton of stuff there. And, you know, they're, they're always, like I, I was kind of joking in the beginning, if I can ever get them in between trips, it's because they're always going to like self-reliance expo and other, other type educational, um, venues for survivalists and people who are more into self-reliance. And they're always doing workshops and, and their website has a lot of great videos and just their podcast, everything. There's just a treasure trove of information there. So definitely go check it out. It's at www.doomandbloom.net. And guys, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking, taking some time with us. It's awesome. You are very, very welcome. All right, everybody out there, stay healthy. Yeah. Honored to be here. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. And thanks for your service, though. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. And this is Jeff Anderson saying until our next survival broadcast, train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.